So today's conversation is with Dave Fair, a friend from church. I've known him for quite a long time, but one thing that I feel like I've learned from today's conversation, maybe more so than all the others, and I want to pass this on to you. I know most of you will never record conversations. It's a weird thing to do if you really think about it. But what it has forced me to do, and I like to do this anyway, is to ask questions, to dig into people's history, to, to see where they come from. It Very quickly, you can take almost any ordinary person, and uh, Dave is not just an ordinary person, don't get me wrong, he's got some extraordinary characteristics, but you can take an, what most people would think of as an ordinary person, you get their life story, you ask them questions about who they are and where they come from, and especially how they came to know Jesus, what the trust in Jesus means to their soul. And you find that this so-called ordinary person becomes pretty, pretty extraordinary very quickly. So my challenge to you would be, ask people questions. When you're having conversations, actually be inquisitive. Actually really ask them what makes them tick. What is it that gives them joy? What gives them peace? Where did they come from? What, what made them the way that they are? And you'll find someone very, very interesting. So I think you'll find today's story interesting. Dave has quite a past, a lot more so than most people would realize. And it's a blessing to see, you know, we don't get to the gospel until close to the end, but his clarity and understanding of the gospel is very good. And it was a real joy to get to know him a little bit better. So thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you coming along and God bless you. I guess when you think about our, our histories, we do go way back. Mm-hmm. Like we, in Summer's Corners, mm-hmm. we were together probably grade three and four, something like that. I, I'm trying to remember when I actually, it's kind of funny because the first real interaction I think I remember with you was uh, me and one of your friends were not fighting, but I don't know, a little pushing thing or something like that. And and uh, I think you came and pushed me uh, and you said you hurt my friend, you know, oh boy. <laughs> was kinda, and that's where I decided I didn't like you. That's but funny. <laughs> I probably for good reason. I, I had a bit of a bully mentality back then where oh, but. Um, I was bigger than most kids. I was a little bit husky. Sure. And yeah. so most kids left me alone. And it wasn't until like grade seven and eight when a bunch of kids came from other schools. And there was a couple kids in particular that were raised in like foster homes and they were rough. Like they were kids, like small kids, but mm-hmm. they weren't scared of me in the least. And so they, when I came to intimidate them like that, they like one of the guys pounded me right in the face. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'd Whoa. never been hit in the head before, right? <laughs> And a couple times this happened, two different foster kids that I ended up fighting with. And they were the only kids in the school that weren't a little bit afraid of me, right? Right, right. And then there you, was Tim, Van, suspended or Tim Van Rakoy. He was also... Oh, yeah, that guy was... He was wild. He was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be careful. I was going to say, I was gonna say he's, that guy was nuts. But that's... Yeah, yes. yeah. I was always on his good side, but... Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, you, I remember you guys also lived in Mount Salem. We were, we were in Mount Salem across the road mm-hmm. from the Mount Salem school and church. Yep. And yep, you guys yep. were around the corner there. So well, every now and then, place a lot, but we catch each other a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tommy Dicker yeah. was kind of in between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. I remember that place. So you were born in Texas though, right? No. No, no. I was born in St. Thomas here. Oh, why did I think yeah. you grew up in Texas for part of the time? Nope. Uh, Georgia. I, oh, I lived okay. in Georgia for a few years. Right shortly after I was born, we actually moved to... Uh, uh, I believe it would have been Oklahoma, Iowa, and then Georgia. And I think we lived in Oklahoma and Iowa for a pretty short time because okay. my first memories that I have, like any little bit where it's just kind of like like not a clear, distinct memory at all, but something I just kind of remember would be from Oklahoma, no, Iowa. 
Um, I remember some people that lived down the road from us, probably mostly because my brothers and sister talking about them a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I remember them a little bit. We lived in a little cul-de-sac. Hmm. And I remember when we were moving out, seeing people. I was up on the top of the stairs by our living room, looking down at the door and seeing people carrying things. That I remember that. That's you know how old it. you were then? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I must have been pretty young. Because that's four, like five. That's it. That's I all see. that I remember from that. Georgia, I've got a lot more memories. I see. So I, I, and that's where we lived until um, it's probably about six, I believe. Uh, those, five, five or six when we moved back to Ontario here. Okay. And then those, Mount Salem. those states don't sound like the typical Mennonite states. When you talk to a Mennonite that was in the states, they were either all, Kansas man. or Texas. Yeah. Uh, those are two of the most popular ones, probably. Mm -hmm. But you, no you guys were not around Mennonites no, at all. No. So we didn't go to church, nothing like that at all. That was like not a part of our upbringing really at all <laughs> anyway that's uh yeah so then most of your childhood memories are from canada yeah ontario yeah yeah definitely definitely georgia i have quite a bit um still have a scar on my knee where i was jumping off the porch and landing on a rock <laughs> it was like um but uh those yeah. kinds of things stand out right yeah yeah i remember a little i had a dinky car jeep that had rubber tires and we had this like field behind our place and then woods in the back we lived in a beautiful area there was like some really, really nice like little waterfalls and rivers and stuff nearby we could walk to. Um, and we were walking out there one time and I lost my Jeep. And I still oh, remember that. Shit. It was a white Jeep. It didn't have a top. It had rubber wheels. And it was like, huh. <laughs> and That's I was really cool. sad. I even went back out in the field trying to find it. You know, it was, but yeah. yeah. Were those pretty happy days, Georgia, as far as you can remember? As far as I can remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, the rest of my siblings went to school. I wasn't going to school yet. So I must have been fairly young there. There's actually a lot of things like... Uh, my mom loved to sing, Dolly Parton, and that's probably where you got I was influenced music, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I remember, you know, singing along with my mom or, or just sitting there watching her singing Dolly Parton records and stuff like that, and yeah. I see. So then you came back and you went back to the Mennonite community, kind of in a way, right? Like Elmer's almost all Mennonites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or half anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, my dad built a house right there in Mount Salem. The place is still there. Yeah. I actually just noticed today, today on the drive over here that a bunch of the trees that me and my dad planted, they're cutting them down right now. Oh, it's, no. It was too, it really was too much now. It was nice back then, but because they were just small, but now they've like, like 30, grown right out. Almost 30 years ago. Uh, yeah. At least 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. That's a good 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> so those little evergreens were, yeah. uh, were, big evergreens now and it was completely hiding the property hiding the place so um <laughs> and uh, so i just noticed they're in the process of cutting a bunch of them down now and i'm like hey i hope plant those you know that's interesting it's some childhood connections like that where you and your dad did something together to see mm -hmm. him now being totally discarded it's yeah it's kind of well, sentimental one little memory my dad told me to fertilize these trees and so i was scooping up this fertilizer and i was like just making these really neat little piles around the trees and then he came by later and saw what I had done. He's like, no, no, that's way too much. You got to clean that up. You know, oh, like, I didn't know what to do when it was, yeah, <laughs> that kind of stood out to me about those trees. But, and we also, some of those trees, we would like run and like jump over them and stuff like yeah. you know, between our legs and that sort of thing. And because they were, that's how small huge. they were, you know, and yeah, now they're like big full grown yeah. mature trees that are needing to be cut down. I know there's some very uh, smart and spiritual type of people that could make some really good life lessons and allegories and illustrations from that kind of thing, right? Where it's like, <laughs> look at that, like a tree that grows that. That's, that's pretty neat stuff. 
And then I don't to, know if I'm that smart. No, nor, nor am I. <laughs> this is why I try to stick to you know, preaching books of the Bible. That way, I don't have to be too creative and smart to uh, come up with nice illustrations. I really like that kind of thing. I really do. That's... Absolutely. So, tell us a little more. What were you like? Were you like Silas? Uh, musical, music-wise, no, were no, I don't. Inquisitive think so. and no, I would have been a lot more like Isaiah. I was okay. a lot. I was a lot quieter and and uh, probably a lot more shy. I was. Yeah, I was a quiet kid. I didn't get in a lot of trouble and stuff like that. I was, uh, there, there's probably a lot of things that I didn't do growing up plain simply because I was afraid of getting caught. Okay. So the one thing is, although we didn't grow up very Mennonite at all, like we didn't learn German, we didn't go to church, we didn't, uh, we really weren't involved with Mennonite community other than neighbors and, you know, cousins and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, no, I was, I was definitely more quiet, more, reserved um i always have been a bit introverted like thoughtfully introverted yeah. and that sort of thing um had a wild imagination i used to be very good at writing um i actually had did you ever have mrs buckles as a teacher yes she was my grade three maybe grade four teacher i forget she she actually sent something to our to our house one time i got it in the summertime and it was some kind of a i'm not sure what it was even back then i didn't care about it um, but it was some kind of an extracurricular course that I could have taken on she thought creative perhaps writing. Perhaps that would have been a good direction it, for it. It seems that way that she must must have noticed something there or whatever that I wasn't aware of. But I was like, "What's this? You know, I, I didn't do anything with it." So, mm. it was, it was but it obviously left like an school, impression. So. If you're still remembering it today, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I it was later that I realized, hey, I actually can sort of write. You know, and it was uh, speaking of Miss Buckles. Like that do you now. remember it's, that she was the only school teacher that still did the Lord's Prayer even after school prayers I, were? Don't. You don't. I remember Mrs. Channer, music teacher, singing um, some like some Christian songs okay. and stuff like that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I you know, see. like that. Um, we sang that in school yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know if you would have been there then, or if we would have been in the same classes then. But when I was uh, in kindergarten, they still had like extracurricular Bible classes you could go to at school. Really? That was in McGregor and Elmer. And then I we see. went to summer. I, I was Corners. in McGregor for just a little bit. Okay. Like like. Probably I went probably attended for like a few months. Was that kindergarten as well? Yeah. I think I want to say I remember you in my class. I know that's weird serious? to think that you would wonder. remember that. Well, we probably would have been in the same yeah, class. Very likely. Another I guy can't say I remember you, but from, I... <laughs> from Mount Salem. Was it? Um, uh, I shouldn't even go there. I forget his name now. Alex. Hmm. Alex Simons. Siemens. Remember him? Uh, I only remember him later when. When a bunch of the Springfield kids okay. started coming to Summer's Corner, anyway, so that's the only time I. My, my point was that I remember grade kindergarten being able to do um, Bible lessons and Bible classes and stuff, and then they made the rule no more Bible Christian type stuff in classes because they wanted okay. to be more you know inclusive I, to everybody. And I then can't I can't say that I remember any sort of a cutoff there. I the only reason I remember it is because I went to uh, the Old Colony Private School for one year. And then came back and came into Mrs. Buckle's class, and every morning she would do the Lord's Prayer. She's she pretty much had the attitude, well, I don't care what they say, I'm going to pray. I, and, and I could so I could see that it was pretty neat. <laughs> I, I could, uh, yeah, from what I remember of her, anyways, that's uh, I could see that. I, I've wondered about Mrs. Channer if that's all of a sudden, like, because all of a sudden she wasn't there anymore, and if maybe she had to quit or got fired or something. Teaching I, kids, if I can't, I'm not, influence I'm not them sure. For good, because it seemed that she was trying to, uh, you know, bring in some of that influence. But interesting, not that I cared about it back then but it yeah, was, uh, yeah i actually would have tried to i don't know i i, I probably would have been i wouldn't have been anti-christianity yeah, would, would your uh, family have been godless 
Or did they just not consider? No, they just didn't just, care. Just didn't care. Yeah, it just it was just kind of irrelevant. There was no teaching or talk about God. There was no. Not that I can remember. I remember my brothers or my my one brother, Danny. You know, telling me some things. Um, you know, like certain certain language that we didn't use, certain certain cuss words that you don't say. You know, and that's well, you know, yeah, you don't say that. You know, where everything else is <laughs> it was no problem. But you know, mm. you don't take God's name in vain. You know, you don't do that. You know, and and there was the occasional time where. Well, like we love German holidays. Had no clue. You took advantage of, of them those, more. eh? <laughs> but yep, it's like oh yeah, you know, it's like oh I missed school. Like oh why you know why were you in school German holiday? You know, and I had no clue yeah. what it was. You know, it's like that's um, hilarious. But uh, yeah, nothing really biblical at all. You know, it's like my dad was always pretty. Uh, here's one thing I got from him: is uh, he was a little more techie. He always, he always had nice stereo equipment. We had the latest, biggest TVs that were available and. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the satellite dish in our in our backyard. It was big, wasn't it? It was that was back before satellites TV yeah. was this little gray dish. It was this great big like I don't know six or eight foot thing that yep. sat on a I feel pedestool like I do remember and, that. and it had a hydraulic arm that would actually and the thing would you know and actually aim at the different satellites that you pick Yikes. up. That was the thing to have back then. That was I mean it must have costed thousands. I have no idea, but like you had to like put this thing in the ground and giants yeah. you know whatever so you guys had all the channels you could want well yeah yeah some of it not so great yeah but that, that was can be uh, problematic yeah yeah so when you guys got back to canada you, do you remember then childhood being different was it not happy your parents obviously didn't get along for good my parents both worked all the time and i have very little very few memories of them of like family interaction so i have a lot with my siblings and and even us kids now, like we're it's kids, you know, that's, yeah. I'm the youngest at forty, but uh, <laughs> um, but we're all still very close. Um, yeah. We have our family gatherings, so it's like we, we we actually love to be together. It's, that's so it's, cool. it's really good. We get along very well and stuff like that. And um, so I don't have a lot of like real family interaction. Not memories. with mom and dad. Like just kind of not much. Movies sometimes. Um, you know, we'd watch movies and stuff like that together, and um, yeah, and there really wasn't any kind of uh, you know discernment about what the movies were. If there was just nudity right. and stuff, you know, well, well, we were expected to just kind of look away or that sort of thing. But uh, I don't know. It was yeah, no real concern there. But mm -hmm. um, I don't think there was really any sort of. I think my mom might have like listened to some hymns and stuff or like, you know, country gospel stuff a bit sing, here and there. Right? Um, my dad, I have memories of him. Like he would Sunday morning, um, we'd often come upstairs, you know, our bedrooms were in the basement We'd come upstairs and there's like loud Indian, like, you know, like from India, Indian music and stuff like that. My dad would watch stuff like that just out of amusement. Um, he had kind of a quirky sense of humor like that, which hmm. I also do inherited <laughs> i definitely do that i just the other night i started watching I, I i've done it every now and then where i watch like an indian movie or something like that just because it's funny you know and yeah. it's like so i i definitely inherited a little bit of that kind of uh odd sense of humor but yeah and he'd do that he'd sit there with this goofy grin i so there you go i remember a few things little things like that but yeah. it was uh he just thought it was the greatest and we're like oh come on what are you doing you know and um but yeah as far as that goes I don't think we really, I, I don't remember any kind of real Christian influence at all until my sister got older um, when she was in like her mid, I think 16 or something like that. 
um, I think she started to kind of get in trouble. And I, I don't know for sure, um, but I think she started getting in trouble. I don't, I don't think she was kicked out of school, but I think my parents maybe pulled her out of school. Um, and then she went to that Mount Salem private school for a little okay. while there. And then all of a sudden she was a Christian. <laughs> it was like, um, and she'd come home and tell us, you know, how our music was wrong and stuff like that, that we listened to. And, um, and it was, oh, it was just so disgusting and this and that and whatever. And, and she'd bring home like songs printed out and stuff like that. And she'd teach them, ah, you know, well, there you go. And my sister would teach me some of the, some of those songs and stuff like that too. Um, I do remember actually sitting there, her sitting on the couch and me on my knees beside her singing the song with her, you know, I and see. it was like me learning how to sing it. And it was, uh, um, she was not saved then. It was just kind of, I mean, now A she was around. she was going through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, well, now these are the people that she's with, so this is what you do now. And, well, now we want to be good. So um, most Christianity that would have been in our house was like, okay, stop swearing. Um, you know, stop listening to bad music. Music was often picked on. It's it, it really was. It was it like music so would get picked on. It is so impression. Like it leaves such an impression on people that people. It does. It's one of the first things that people go to. Like, mm -hmm. okay, this music mm -hmm. has to stop. Or it's it's one another thing that there's a lot of rules in churches made about too. It's yeah. music. That's uh, yeah. people attack music a lot. It, music maybe is, for good is reason important. because it is it, so. It powerful. is important. It is powerful. It is for who sure. Do you, do you have you ever met somebody who does not like music? It's very um, rare. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody likes music, you yeah. know, but like some people will be like, oh, you know, I'm not really into it or that sort of thing. But yeah, right. somebody who actually dislikes music, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. When, when, uh, what age were you when your mom kind of left? Well. Or maybe you want to tell a little bit about yeah, that story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> there was, uh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. My mom is no longer living. Um, and she did, you know, left my dad and remarried and um, left my dad and then for s several years later divorced him and then remarried. And um, as far as I know, she had been unfaithful quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it's actually a little funny little thing is uh, I say funny, but almost kind of sad, I guess. Sad, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. There was a time that me and my siblings kind of actually wondered if I was my dad's son oh, I um, because I mean I was bigger not that I was ever big but you know but I was I was bigger than than the others I had dark hair I always had a little I don't have dark skin anymore because I work inside so much but you know playing outside in the summer all the time like you know I would just tan I didn't burn I didn't uh, um, I don't know I just I, I just I just looked a little different and stuff so when you were that, a kid you heard talk that you might not be your dad's not until or I was this older, was years probably until like my just early preteens kind okay. of thing, you know, like I think around probably around 11, 12 or stuff like that would have become. Man. Um, but that means you, you, it registered in your mind that your mom was with other men. Not so much then. I, where I first discovered it was, and, I, and I'm not quite sure how old I was, but my mom took me and my brothers to the mall. And we were just, I mean, we loved it because we were hanging around the mall, you know, back then there wasn't much to do. So, I mean, that was, uh, that was a cool thing to do. And so we're just like St. Thomas Mall, you mm -hmm. know, and like, and we're walking up and down this mall all day long, or I think it was pretty long anyways. And all of a sudden at lunchtime, we saw that our mom was eating lunch with some dude, you know, didn't know who this guy was. And, and, uh, eventually we got to meet him and, uh, super nice guy. He was actually really, really cool guy. Very nice. And, uh. Had a little bit of spending cash, and I decided I used to love those model cars, you know, the plastic models, yeah. and all the pieces you break out, you paint them, glue them together, and so I decided I'm going to buy one of those, and 
he helped me pick one out. Mm. I still remember what it was. Everything it was. Uh, um, well, that's interesting because I thought it was a '95, but this would have been a little bit before '95 that this happened. Maybe it was like a whatever. Anyways, it was. Uh, but it was a Ford Fairlane. Okay. It was the you know the truck with the the, the pickup truck with the step side on it, um, and he helped me pick that one out. Interesting. And then. While and this was your first time meeting this guy. I'd never met this guy before. And all of a sudden, my mom says, wouldn't you like him for a dad? And I, that's when it was, that's when it first registered, like, whoa, what? What, <laughs> what is, what, what do you, I just looked at her funny, like, what? Do you, what? Mean? you know, like, and I didn't clue in. And I didn't get it there, but it was right shortly after that, you know, we were talking about it, you know, my, me and my siblings. And, and uh, I found out that, yeah, well, that's, that's mom's boyfriend. Oh, you know, and so she was seeing him then already, and I think I probably would have been. Yeah, I, I, I I'm definitely not clear on the age. Mid nineties, might have been. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been. Uh, I think I probably would have been around eleven years old, eleven, yeah. twelve, maybe, thirteen, That's maybe. Rough. So, summer when I was thirteen, all of a sudden uh, I found out my mom decided she was going to leave, and she let my dad know. Um. Yeah, and so we we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was coming. And was I, there a lot of fighting in the house during that time, then? Not a lot. There definitely was fighting. I don't know. I'm I, uh, I'm not actually sure. I I think there could be things that I just like just don't. Sometimes remember. you block certain things out too, right? It could be some blocking, but it could also be we're just like, oh, you know, mom and dad are fighting. Whatever, turn the music on. Like kind of just like, yeah. or, or just get out of here, go for a bike ride, or you know, take off, go hang out with my friends, kind of thing, like. Me and my brother would often bike to Elmer and stuff like that from Mount Salem. We did that all the time and, and hang around in town and stuff like that. So um, I, I do remember one time where my mom and dad were fighting and it was, um, and we were hearing it downstairs. And then all of a sudden my mom yelled and, and we thought that he had hit her or something like that. And I don't believe he actually did now. Um, I think she was trying to turn us against him um, which was working um, because that one time I mean we would have said we hated our dad you know it's like we didn't actually but but we would have we would but have he was probably the more stern one oh, he was. more difficult to get permission from he was he was um, now I look back at it and and to me I, I can say understandably he was miserable yeah um, he he was working he was working in a factory um, my mom worked in a factory I, I think he probably had some idea, some, you know, suspected that she wasn't faithful. Um, actually, I think he may have known of a time back when we lived in Georgia. Um, I saw my, I've seen, I remember seeing my dad get drunk twice. Um, one time was in Georgia. Um, and one time was uh, when we lived in Mount Salem there. And I, I don't know for sure, but I suspect it was probably something. Could have been part of the reason for because he he wasn't the type to do that sort of thing. You know, he just wasn't at all. And it's uh, not that he was, you know, a godly man or anything in any sense that way. But uh, um, but he, you know, he he was pretty disciplined. You know, he was a very steady, stable person. Oh, where was I? Your mom started turning you guys against him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I remember this one fight in particular, and and me and my brothers ran upstairs. And especially my older brothers, I was younger then, but, and we were going to defend my mom. And what we saw, you know, was pretty damning to my dad. You know, he had her backed into or up against the fridge or something, but uh, yeah, I think it was up against the fridge, you know, and then, and she had screamed as if she was getting beaten and stuff. And, but I, I really, 
he may have kind of pushed her a bit and angry. You know, I think something yeah. might have happened like that, that he maybe did touch, but I don't think he would have hit her. I, I really don't think he would have, you know, and I, I should probably ask him someday here. <laughs> it's, uh, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure he didn't. I, I don't believe he would have actually done that. And now looking back, you know how manipulative and deceitful she your was mom was. She was incredibly. Yes, she was incredible. So then it's my you mom can was the, the better cool picture one. now, right? My mom was the cool one. My dad was the miserable jerk. I can see that. It really was. Like that sounds she was rough to say fun, that, but and he was living in misery. Yeah. Yeah. He started a second business or he started a second job where he was like he started off with a uh, um appliance repairs. He'd yeah. started fixing TVs, VCRs, and super smart guy. Like he oh, yes. he, he had his uh um Oh, what do you call that thing again? Some kind of a special scope thing that had these screens. It looked like something you'd see in a hospital. And he could like read things on electronics that were like for changing heads on VCRs and stuff like that. I, I'm i a little bit techie, but I, I don't understand what he, he was in a whole different world than I ever understood there. And, um, yeah, and so he started doing that sort of thing. And then it turned into washers and dryers. And I don't know, you probably remember all the washers and dryers oh, sitting yeah. outside our house. And that was always an embarrassment for us, but not that we were cleaner that we really cared that much but it was it was only embarrassing when people would mention it why do you guys have all that junk at your house yeah, you know, he just yeah. kind of but he was desperately trying to make ends meet is what he was doing you know and it's uh and keep his hands and mind preoccupied right i think there's a lot of that too yeah he he's he's never been the type like even now he's working at wise line there he's like trying to retire semi-retire trying to work part-time and well, when he, when he's not working, he's working at home, working on his van, you know, and yeah. working on that conversion and stuff like that. Like he he's not a guy to just sit around and do nothing. So, so after that fight, and at the age of twelve to thirteen or so, she finally just left. Was she this said guy that... no, no. So she said she was going to, and I think she like said she was going to at the end of the week or something like that. And <laughs> this is where it got a little rough. Where I saw my dad break. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm choking up a little bit, but it's. Uh, I don't usually choke up about it, but I'm a little tired and a little nervous talking about it here. Oh, but I can uh, imagine. this still, isn't stuff that real. I really it, it's it's definitely raw and, and it's not something that I you know, not that I try to hide it, but it's not something that I just, you know, hey, did you know this happened? You know, like I don't mm-hmm. talk about it freely, so um But yeah, and, and even just thinking about what he was going through, it's uh um for three days he sat at home and we were home then too. It was during the summer and he just like, he didn't go to work. He just, I don't know if he called in sick or whatever, if he just quit. I'm, I'm not sure what happened exactly, but, um, sorry, I need a drink. <laughs> and, uh, he, what stood out to me is he had a towel and he was crying, just weeping into this towel. And I've never heard a man cry like that. Like it was just, mm-hmm. I don't know, <laughs> the, the, the agonizing sound, like it was, it was very disturbing for us as much as we didn't, like our dad um like uh, you couldn't help the way we didn't like him um if he'd like come and yell at us or something when he walked out like we you know we'd stick our middle fingers at him and stuff like that like you know not him seeing we he would never let him see um yeah we would never do that but uh, remember my brother one time there him my two older brothers were supposed to clean up the shed and they had gone in there my older brother was just going on uh, using a bunch of choice words but what he thought about my dad and then my dad was all of a sudden he was there and he saw it and he heard this and and I think he was probably too hurt to even say anything. We would have expected him to like blow up and, you know, beat the crap out of us or something, but he I think he just I, I wasn't actually there, I just heard about it later, but I don't think he actually even really said anything and he was probably hurt hearing his son talking that way about him, but but here he was just broken and weeping and just and he did that for three days. 
and then <laughs> and then uh, he snapped and he had a nervous breakdown and um, my mom was home um, my sister was already married by then so I believe this would have been summer of 95 Wow um, you're like 13 years old roughly. yeah yeah I, I would have been 13 so yeah let's see if I can do some simple math here but born in 81. I think I was 13 anyway, yeah. so that's, uh, I turned 14 that October, that's right, yeah, so it would have okay. been 95, that's right. Um, not that the date matters that much, but I was going to take a drink. <laughs> it's uh, it's tough, I mean, I appreciate you being so vulnerable and open this way. It's, <laughs> there's going to be people listening that have had rough pasts and to sure. identify with someone else who went mm -hmm. through went through the ringer like to, I can't mm -hmm. imagine now like now you can imagine what your dad maybe kind of went through oh yeah back yeah, then it was like what is happening yeah. to our world oh yeah oh yeah yeah and that's the thing you know back then I was a kid you know I didn't think about what's going on with him although think about our 13 year olds now right? although hearing him weeping like that that it it really did leave an impression like I I feel like I can still remember the sound exactly I just like so that part something was happening there but so after the, I'm pretty sure anyways, it was three days. I, I know I just said three days, but I think it was three days, but um, my mom was home and she was going to pack up and leave. And uh, um, I don't want to get into too much detail, but uh, um, my dad went to the kitchen, got a knife and he was going to try to stab himself with it right there. And uh, it wasn't going to do her any harm. No. No, no, he never, never did that. I just, that's the thing. I just like, we didn't fully trust him or understand him or, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, um, it took my siblings to, uh, um, and I actually don't quite remember which ones were all there. I thought I remembered it a certain way, but I just heard recently from my older brother that he wasn't there then. Mm. Um, he had kind of, I think he took off. He, he moved out to go live with somebody else because things were messed up. Um, so memories are not fully clear yeah, there. it's yeah, it's yeah. definitely not completely clear but um yeah and at one point he, he he broke away and he and he had a knife and i was i wasn't there trying to help i was just watching kind of in horror you know and um what was going on and that's uh and he ran towards me and i mean you know being a kid i i thought he was running at me you know and so i i, I ran away but he actually he was just trying to run outside just trying to run away um I think it's just because like, you know, he, he, he was, he was so broken. He just, he wasn't thinking clearly. He just wanted to run away. Mm -hmm. And so he ran off and he ran into the field behind our house. And, um, and meantime we called the police and, um, my, my brother, Danny ran out after him and caught up to him and, and actually stopped and talked to him for a while there and, and, um, got him to come back to the house. I don't know if he got him to or my dad, but he came back to the house anyways and then the police were there. Yeah, man. And uh, they put him in the car. They held him there for a while and and, he, and here things are quite foggy for me. I don't remember much of the way things actually panned out here, but um, he ended up in the St. Thomas Hospital because he had tried to commit suicide, um, had a nervous breakdown. They had him in the hospital there. I believe it was two weeks that they kept him in there. And so now my mom didn't leave. Um, and I actually remember there's two times that I saw my parents kiss. Um, I don't want to be too graphic here, but uh, you know, for the listeners, but one time when we lived in Georgia, 
I saw them kissing in their bedroom door. And I stood there watching because it was like, what is happening I here? I <laughs> didn't see these kinds of things. I didn't see my parents showing affection to each other, really. Um, and I remember my dad turning my head, pushing me out, and they closed the door. <laughs> so you know, obviously things were going to happen from there. But uh, um, And then next time I remember was while he was in the hospital. And it was, it seemed that uh, he was doing better, you know, and well, my mom didn't leave now, so... Um, and maybe that's why he was doing better, but, uh, um, and I saw them kiss there, like a, a pretty passionate kiss. And I was like, so it was like, maybe things are going to get yeah, better. I, I, I do remember that little spark of hope as weird as it was seeing my parents kiss. I was like, well, maybe it's going to be okay. And, uh, so things actually probably carried on somewhat normally after that, except we started going to church. Oh, there, there was a little time before that, that uh, me and my brother, Danny, were, we, no, my parents would make us go to church, the Mount Salem church there on Sunday mornings. They didn't go. They just, they made us go. And if we didn't, we were grounded for the day <laughs> for Sunday. And so we're like, okay, well, we're going to go to church. <laughs> just a little bit. Of, so we go to the church there and I, I'm sure they preached some in English. They must have. Oh yeah. Back yeah. I'm sure they did. But I don't remember it at all. We would sit in the back you know, and laughing and poking each other, making noise and stuff. I remember the deacons coming in or a deacon or I mean, it probably wasn't a deacon, probably an usher, um, you know, coming and telling us to be quiet, sitting there with us, trying to keep, get us under control, you know, and, um, <laughs> they had a gesang book. I, I, I didn't pronounce that right, but, um, me and my brother would sit there and we'd, and we'd read that, you know, and we're laughing, we're kids, you know, we're laughing, we're not, not being as quiet as we definitely should have been, or as we, we even thought we were, most likely, and and just just a little funny memory here. I just I remember my brother grab oh, grabs the book and he's gazing butch, you know, and it's like <laughs> you know just the way he said it, you know, yeah. and it's like, and we be reading in there, well, the word craft would stand out, oh, craft macaroni and cheese, you know, and stuff like that. Like you know, we didn't know what it said, you know, and um, we'd also go out in the partway through the service, we'd bored, you know, and so we'd go outside and. Um, Sorry for anybody who went to that church there. You know, we we'd uh, look for cars that weren't locked and take change and gum out of their cars and stuff like that and whatever. Uh, um, and I remember, I'm thinking he was an usher. I remember the guy. I don't know what his name is at all or anything, but I remember his face. Um, he had kind of unique eyes. His eyes were like really blue or something. I don't. There was something about his face that I that was unique to me. But I remember him coming out there and you know, telling, making us come in and sit down. You know, and um, but then. I do remember me and my brother talking about the hypocrisy because we had to go to church and we'd come home. A lot of times by the time we came home, my parents would have gone to town and rented some movies and stuff like that already. And we'd sit there and watch movies um, for a while until until we would take off, ride our bikes in the town or whatever. And that's like, so I do remember that. But anyways, back to uh, my parents there. So we started going to church um, and... Uh, uh, where we started going there then was, uh, I believe it was it was called Sommerfeld. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was the one that was out on seventy three. Yeah, by close they're, to. Uh, they're now in Mount Salem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, so we started going there, and funny because that's when I actually saw my mom wear dresses, um, not like the real Mennonite style dresses, but when she would wear dresses, and I wasn't used to that, and she would wear a head covering on Sundays. Um, you know, and so I was like, that was odd to me, but, uh, you know, 
we were punk kids, you know, like a lot of stuff like to us, you know, we, I have long hair, you know, it was kind of, I could get my hair in my mouth. I only did that once because my mom usually cut her hair and I hated it. And so I tried to just grow it as long as I could then because trying to have long hair, but my dad didn't let us do that too much. So when he could anyways, he'd make us get haircuts and, um, did get the undercut once, you know, yeah. but I had my hair split. That's where I had my hair split in the middle. Oh, yes. You know, when I, when I had it like that for so long, it was back then when that was the cool hairstyle. Yeah. That's when I did it. I hung out with Annie um, and Danny for a fair bit in grade nine and 10. Oh, yeah. And Danny yeah, yeah. had the long Danny hair. Danny had that, yet. Yeah. Abe Berg had it back then. A bunch of people had that, that yeah, style yeah. of hair, right? And so. the baggy pants oh, and yes. stuff. And it just, and I mean, you know, we go around town, push a garbage can over. We thought, oh, yeah, we're cool. Or, you know, whatever. We're gang members or that sort of thing. Not that we would have said that, but I don't know. We were trying to be punks anyways. But, um, I actually just lost my train of thought there while I was saying Well, that. you said your mom stuck around and you guys started going to church and you were making trouble yeah, and all yeah. that. Right. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. So being in church there. Um, I remember we had our cousins with us one time and I, I, I've got cousins there. My mom's, my mom's sister's kids. Um, they weren't married. It was, she, she was living with an English guy, you know, and, um, and they came to church with us one time, um, because they had spent the night, I think. And it was, uh, and when we had to, had to, you know, get down on our knees, turn around, get on our knees for a prayer. Um, and I don't know if maybe, maybe not a lot of people understand this, but headbanging, you know, the, the, the old rock and roll thing, you know, that's like you headbang to the music, whatever. And we're doing that. Like, so we're getting out and we're like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, when we're supposed to be praying, you know, like, it's, yeah, tough, it's a big no joke. No reverence whatsoever. Not, not any, not any at all. One time that I remember feeling some reverence, it was a good Friday the, during this time here um, that we were actually going to church. It was a good Friday. We went to church and you know how good Fridays are always gloomy and stuff like that. Um, during, while the preacher was praying one time. I noticed outside the sun suddenly started shining. You know, this guy clearly when the sun was shining. I was like, whoa, is that something? You know, and that was, mm. and that's about it. You know, I it was see. kind of, so not a lot of reverence. I had fear. And I think it was mostly fear of my dad, just fear of getting caught, fear of getting in trouble. You know, that's kind of, um, although oddly, I think during the time when my sister was going through her Christian phase, um, I think. I, I, at one point, I, I remember thinking, when I'm older, I'm going to be a Christian. Hmm. I remember thinking that, and it was uh, I'm not I'm well, not sure what made me want to or maybe think, think that, that or way, whatever. Right? I'll do it later once but, I'm. But it's mature. not that I experienced conviction or anything like that, or really had any kind of interest, and like, I just didn't. Really so no care guilt anymore. or shame like, necessarily, just fear. Yeah, fear of doing something wrong and getting caught. Mm-hmm. Consequences, getting in trouble. That's it. You know. Probably because my dad was a bit of a hard guy, you know, and it was, uh, you know, we, we got our hides tanned pretty good sometimes, yeah. you know, not enough, you know, for some of the things that we did, you know, it was, uh, um, but, uh, but 13, 14, 15 years old, that age, your family was kind of together going to church, looked like you guys had uh, 13 straightened up. It didn't last very long. Didn't last long. It didn't last long at all. Um, so that was the summer of 95, um, January 22nd, 1996. My mom didn't come Officially home. Officially just left. She never came home. And, Say uh, goodbye? Uh, no, not that day. No. Um, again, we knew she was going to leave. Um, I think I probably knew like a few days before. And I had said right away, well, if you're going to that guy, I'm not going to come with you. Otherwise, I will. And well, she did. She went with him. And so she just left. And I... Same guy that helped pick the model? Yep. 
Yep. That's actually who she ended up marrying later too. So she ended up staying faithful to that guy later on. So interesting. Um, yeah, oddly, that's uh, he actually just recently passed away here too. Yeah. That was, uh, um, yeah, they stayed together. They weirdly they loved each other. They were happy together, but it doesn't make it you know I mean it was okay, but it was uh, right. But they were actually somewhat happy together. It was, uh, um, yeah. She lost my thought again. So thir- 13 years old, your mom's gone. Oh, and yes, then yes, it was yes. Just you January 22nd. So we knew, no, it actually wasn't because, and this is something that I'm actually, <laughs> I mean, I know I was just a kid, but I actually really do feel ashamed of is, um, <laughs> we thought my dad's going to commit suicide. So we're out of here. Um, my sister was married by then to, uh, you know, Pete up. Um, so me and my brother Danny went and stayed with her. My brother Bill, I actually not quite even, I'm not sure where he was. I've actually, that's one of those things where I've kind of lost connection. I thought that he then left, but I guess he left before that already. So I don't quite remember. And I, and maybe because he had left and I sort of lost touch with him then. So, um, yeah, so me and Danny went and lived with my, uh, or stayed with my, my sister and uh, brother-in-law for, I think it was probably two weeks, but we went there thinking, yeah, dad's going to kill himself. So we're getting out of here. Man, so he had a couple of miserable weeks by himself. He came home and everyone's gone. And yeah, I can't imagine what he faced no. there. Well, like I just the breakdown yeah, in the summer before, right? You kind of almost suspect this is the route he's going to go. We he's just assume that's mind. what's going to happen. Yep, yep. We assume that's what's going to happen. He's going to kill himself. So we're we're getting out of here. That's just, um, yeah. And I, I, I honestly, that was it for me. That's that was my thinking. He's going to kill himself. So I'm, I don't want to be here. Hmm. And uh, he didn't. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what was different. I, I think, I, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think he may have said something about. I almost remember. I think I remember him saying that that he felt like something had was coming, and so he was almost, almost felt a little prepared that something was going to happen. Um, which, now that I think about it, you know, living with a wife, you know, everything like that. Probably realized something was going she's on. Not you know, stick around. yeah, yeah. He knew that she wasn't being faithful, and I, I, I think he did anyway. So, she would go out uh, line dancing, and so she was often like when they'd come home from work, he would go do other work. Often he was now he was uh, doing appliance repair, so he was off doing service calls, doing it in home service calls for people, and she would go out line dancing, and it was always line dancing and. I, I think she actually did go and do some of that. I think she, I think she'd go to London to a bar or something like that and go dancing. And, um, but I think most of those times was probably she was going to be with her guy, whatever. But, um, but yeah, here again, I, I remember very little of my parents being around. I, I just don't remember much of them being around other That's, than weekends. Uh, and it's, uh, um, oh, I would say to this day, my sister, for the most part, raised me. Like it just, for the most part, she's the one mm-hmm. who. <laughs> and she still had quite a bit of influence on you later on too. Right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and we're still very close. Yeah, still very close. I love my sister very much. That's. Yeah. <laughs> um, she would discipline me if I was acting out, whatever, getting in trouble. She'd send me to the bottom of the stairs, even though my room was in the basement, whatever. But I actually listened to her. Interesting. And I, and I think, I don't know why I did. You know, other than like maybe I just felt like. She's older. She's my parent figure. I need to listen to her. Like, I just, I don't know why I did. And she's actually like, I'm not sure why you even listened to me. But, um, yeah. And she sent me to the bottom of the stairs. So I'd have to go and sit at the bottom of the stairs and just sit there. 
you know, and then sometimes I, she's actually said before that she forgot that I was there. And also <laughs> I called up Sally, can I come upstairs now? You know, and it was <laughs> like, she's mentioned that later here that she thought that was so funny. And, you know, and it's, uh, but yeah, so I stayed with her for a couple of weeks and then, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of dragging this out a little bit, but, uh, I mean, this is the bulk of what kind of shaped you, right? So it's totally understandable. <sighs> it really did. It really this. did. I, I definitely had some rough years after that. That was, uh, and right during your formative years too, right? You're going through your transition, yeah. becoming a young man and mm -hmm. all that craziness mm -hmm. at school, the peer pressure, yep. parents splitting up. It's just, that's a lot. It, it wasn't fun. I will, I will say that it wasn't fun. It was, uh, so I, I, I think it was probably around two weeks that I stayed at my sister's place. She lived in Brownsville on a trailer back then. And it was, uh, um, and then my dad came and got me and we went to Leamington, lived with an aunt and uncle over there. Hmm. Um, Danny stayed back. I was the only one who went with him. Um, and, uh, yeah, we lived with an aunt and uncle there for the summer and, uh, he enrolled me in the private school over there. Um, it's interesting because my wife will say, you know, they heard about this day fair guy who was coming to school and I they see. wondered who is this, you know, um, my cousin was going, uh, you know, the, 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 my aunt and uncle, they had a, uh, uh, well, his name was Dave Friesen, a guy my age. Um, and so me and him actually got pretty close then at that time, but, uh. Um, which was really good. I don't think that guy will ever know how much he actually helped me there because hmm. I, I needed somebody, you know, and it was, and he was a nice guy and it was, uh, we had some similar interests and we got along really good and we lived together. So it was cool. I was living with my cousin, living with my best friend kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that probably really, really helped me a lot, but cause how I, cause I was, guys in Leamington, uh, uh, well, basically for that summer and then, um, we decided we were going to go down to Texas just for a little trip. Um, me and my dad drove down there and it was right, right before school started. It was, I think it was gonna be a two week trip. And, uh, I was going to get back like just like a couple days after school started. So I guess like in school, they had had my name up on the board or something like, I'm not sure, or some, some kind of chart or something. I, my, they saw my name and they're like, who's this guy? You know, and, but I never showed up because, uh, we went to Texas and I was like, I like it here. Hmm. And I, I'm not sure what I liked about it so much. I mean, I, I do still really like Texas. I've been there for a long time now. But Guns I need to and go oil there. and freedom. Um, that wasn't me back then. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I never touched the gun. You know, it was a, although it wasn't very long later that I did buy a gun. Yeah. I did own a gun when I lived in Texas. But you lived in Texas for a while then? I did for a few years. Yeah. 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 And so, but weird thing was, is I, we went out there and I liked it. And I said to my, and all of a sudden I asked my dad, can I stay here? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and Whoa. it was like, um, and basically the plan became, he was going to go back to Ontario and eventually kind of try to wrap things up and get a little better financially set or something and then come out there too. And we were going to live there. Um, but so I was, it was, um, I think it was basically three years, just about anyways, um, that I lived out there and without your dad. Yeah. 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 Living at another aunt and uncle. Shoot, so. man. I didn't know this stuff. Oh yeah. 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 So Ben and Sarah Newdorf, they were my parents then and they were, oh man. Some of the best parents I ever had, but you know, <laughs> you've had a I, few. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't appreciate them then, but uh, they were, you know, they were Christians. Whether they had everything all right, I'm not sure, but they had their hearts were right. They were on the right track. They wanted. They wanted what was best. You know, and they were on their own spiritual journey at that time, trying to find their way through things. But man, the influence my aunt Sarah had on my life was just like, oh, I needed a mom like that. So wow. also while I lived in in Leamington. I, I should back up. I actually lived with a couple of different aunts and uncles. So it was because it was January. It was right in the middle of the school year. Um, I ended up living, moving in with my, uh, yeah, not with the same 
cousin that uh, that I lived with in summer. Um, they they didn't have any children my age at all, so I was I was the youngest there. But it was my aunt and uncle uh, Tina and Ben Heinrichs, uh, my dad's sister, uh, one of his real sisters, anyways, um, not step or half sister, but um, and so she was she was incredibly wonderful to me too i actually still really really love her that's I amazing just, like, like they i just... had a stable steady mom in my life through my whole years but you, <laughs> you had several women who stepped into that role yeah and at least to some mom degree figures, said yeah. look this boy needs someone in his yep. life so that's yep. awesome yeah no i'm i don't know where i'd be without that i really yeah. don't i just uh, i honestly don't you know that's uh, any good father figures then too not actively no not, as not as involved as no um but me and my dad started to get to know each other better because now I was stuck with him quite a bit. Well, okay, this was in the summertime. So, but with this, uh, yeah, this other aunt and uncle, I, I went to Mount Carmel Public School in, in Leamington there, just on the outside of Leamington. And, and that was rough because I was traumatized. I was, uh, you know, I had gone through a lot of stuff and I was a mess. I really was. And I finished out that school year. I was actually picked on a lot and yeah. um, had not a single friend in school. And so that didn't help so that's why when i moved in with my other cousin then for the summertime being close with him that but yeah like i said i don't think he'll ever know what how he actually helped me but uh wow. um we're not close now and that's kind of <laughs> regretful to me but it's yeah. uh I, I sometimes i miss that you know so it was we were children you know we were 14 years old you know but i sometimes i wish we could you know Reconnect, rekindle that connection yeah. you know that's like because he really really helped me in my life there but that's uh, awesome. no interest in god None Still whatsoever. nothing. Even 13, 14, 15, all the way through 16 and 17 when you were in Texas, they just... So my conscience was still, it was as far as, I don't want to get caught. That's it. Um, but I never was, okay, now I did way too many stupid things. I did, You know, there was things that I did where it was like, okay, it's crossing the line where once is already too many. Um, but I didn't get into drugs. I Drinking was very, very, very little. Um I got drunk once, um, and and interestingly, because okay, now as I was getting into my into my teens further, um, I did think a little bit more about God, and I didn't like Him. Um, it was understandably uh, if this was the God had orchestrated your life to this point. Yep, yep. And I was just like, well, and I remember actually in the little crowd that I was in there, um, had a girlfriend then, and and some somebody said something about God, and I said there is no God, you know, and I. I didn't believe that, but it was just like, I didn't like God. I was angry at him. So I didn't, I, you know, so oh, I'm yeah. going to be an atheist then, you know, that, that was me, you know, and I said, there's no God, you know, so if there was a God, I wouldn't be here. Just simple as that, you know, it's, and yeah, anyways, wow. that was, uh, to say something like that, there must've been a deep desperation in your soul at some point too, where you're like, this is useless. This is pointless. Like, I think there was more of it than I was aware of. Yeah. It was just kind of... Kids often can't articulate what yep, they're going through. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I was kind of just living my life, just go day to day, do whatever, try to have fun, you know, and just sort of um, got drunk once. And even then, as bitter as I was at God, it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of a spiritual uh, motive at all, but I didn't like it. So I was stupid. I puked. I whatever. It was like... This, this sucks. Why would it? Why, yeah, and I just say yeah, I don't need that, you know. And so I, and yeah, I've, I've never come close to anything like that ever again. And I, I have no intentions to. That's. Uh, and when, um, when you moved back from Texas, you moved to the Leamington area. Yeah, this is where, this is where God suddenly just like, hit my life hard. Yeah. <laughs> because, 
I was used to going to parties, everything, you know, not that I was that wild and bad, but I was there involved with all those people that were. So it was, uh, um, I went from that to, I moved back with my same aunt and uncle that I had lived with that summer before I went, moved to Texas. Um, and I heard about some things that were going on and I, and I didn't like what I was hearing. I actually remember talking to another, one of my couple of cousins there that I was a bit closer with and talking about, you know, I was going to have to move back and like, oh man, like these guys, they just they're christians they just go to youth group and stuff like that they sing and they yeah they it's like they they have bible study and it's like i couldn't believe it i'm like that's what i'm stuck going back to now you know it's like so here i came and this was the only group of people i was gonna have available to me um to be able to hang around with because i i didn't know anybody now it was like i had no friends from before you know from my previous time living there and zero friends there so I'm living with this guy who was an incredibly close friend to me. Um, and sure enough, yeah, he reads his Bible and and Wednesdays well, we're going to Bible study now, you know. And it's yeah, like, see. you know, honestly. And hated you every just minute of it. Sat through it, eh? Um, but the thing is, is no, no, I was a Christian now. I was, oh yeah, praise the Lord, yep, yep, I'm saved, you know. It was just and I went along with it. Just Weirdly, I, I don't quite understand why I did what Interesting. I did. Interesting. So now I'm hanging around with these people that, um, you know, quite conservative Christians. You know, they wouldn't listen to, I mean, music they would listen to. I mean, it'd be very selective, very careful. You know, a lot of acapella and that sort of thing. A lot of singing acapella. Um, oh, and, and really going into the music a little bit more. Um, somehow, I'm not sure why or where I learned to sing harmony, that sort of thing. I just sort of did, you know, and... Um, not that I've ever been that great at it, but, uh, but I just sort of learned to. And in Texas, I remember we, uh, oh, when I lived in Texas, I had to go to a Christian private school for a while. Um, I think I did for about a year and that was it. And then I quit. Um, so I quit school when I was 15. <laughs> We're having fun out there. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to a Christian private school and so we would have chapel and stuff like that. And then, so they had this guy come in one time to teach some singing and I was able to just sing the bass there you and go. it was like and i'm not really sure how i was able to do that i somewhere i must have learned something but i'm just not quite sure where i connected the dots and everything but i was able to do it hmm. maybe i wasn't doing it right but i think i was you have you got you know, it was deep, sort of just there you know, bass, right? so. well <laughs> yeah interesting i actually can sing a lot lower than i talk i i don't talk very low but uh um, but I can sing a lot lower. Yeah, sometimes people are surprised actually that how low I actually do sing. But it's uh, not that I'm anything crazy. But uh, um, but yeah, when it comes to singing, I am naturally or um, maybe not naturally, but by practice, I am a bass. Mm -hmm. That's uh, um, well, yeah. And so now in this Christian youth group, singing and everything, well, I blended right in. You could fit. I could sing the part. I right? could sing with them and you know, stuff like that. And I sort of knew some of these songs from going to that school and some stuff my sister had taught me and and so i was like yeah okay fit right in by this time nelly was already at vienna church no 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 not yet um so this would have been in uh uh early 99 i believe okay I'm trying to remember when it was exactly that i came back to canada i don't remember what time of year it was i believe it oh it was winter i know that because it was so cold. <laughs> it was like, I got used, used to, to Texas. Yeah. I got acclimated to Texas weather. And, and I came back here and I'm working for my dad, working heating and air conditioning. We work in new construction. And I'm telling you, I had coveralls, sweater, jacket, and a toque and my hood up over and gloves and everything. And I remember one time where there's some other guys working on the job too. And I came upstairs and one guy looks at me and says, you cold? 
<laughs> I said, not now, but I was freezing cold. I, was, I yeah. couldn't believe the weather, you know, it's like, yet I grew up out here, you know, so it was, um, but yeah, so with this Christian youth group, you know, just trying to fit in. And, um, in the meantime, when I was alone, if I would drive alone somewhere, I had my, uh, the music I got into at that time was, uh, I, I liked stuff that was, uh, um, the more evil it was, the better. Um, so artists or performers, whatever you want to call them, like, uh, Marilyn Manson loved Marilyn Manson mm -hmm. um, because he was a Satanist. And he, he tried to be really flashy with his Satanism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know. he, he's, he has since left more of the Satanism stage where it's kind of where, well, I believe he's actually... It was just, shock value too, right? He, it, was well, that, that was. he was a shock rocker is what they actually call it. It's shock rock is what he performed. But, um, but you know, and I think that's probably where the Satanism came. But I believe that he is a Satanist. Um, and a lot of Satanism, actually, as you actually progress in Satanism, it becomes more self-worship mm. than Satan worship, which is basically the same. You know, it's kind of as you so worship you would yourself listen to more some of this and more. Dark music in your um, own time, Rob Zombie stuff that was just you know glorifying death and demons and mocking Jesus and things like that. It was you and know, then going to youth groups, and going to youth groups. I remember and my Bible in the pastor seat, listening to Rob Zombie in the truck, driving to Bible study with the youth group. Wow. And I, as soon as I get there, turn off. Okay, go inside. Yeah, sing my hymns, you know, or sing my Christian songs now. Yep, that was that's what <laughs> that was me. Um, so living with my dad, we grew a lot closer. But I mean, I wasn't good. You know, I wasn't. You know, I had a lot of attitude. I had a lot of a lot of things I had to work through. You know, because just well, everything was unjust. Everything was wrong. Now everybody was out to get me or whatever. Everything hurt. You know, and this. Um, I'm, I'm a bit more of an emotional person. I, I always have been. Um, and, you know, my dad is not so much. He's always been a little bit more of a bristly kind of, you know, a little blunt. He was intimidating. A little, yeah. Oh, he's got Even a big voice. Even for me, like, I, I remember seeing him a couple times at church at the end. I didn't dare approach him because I was like, I don't know if he's going to be upset or Why, what. He's this scrawny little skinny guy. I'm like two, three times his size, <laughs> you know. And um, But yet he's got this big voice, you know. And it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, he can intimidate people for sure. That's... Uh, um, but yeah, so I, I was, I think I probably made life pretty hard for him at times because I would get upset at things that he would do or whatever. And, you know, we'd get our yelling matches and stuff and, um, that sort of thing where, so I wasn't afraid of him anymore. So then I started yelling at him and stuff like that when I'd get mad and that sort of thing. Um, and then go to youth group, you know, that's <laughs> like, and so we both knew that we were not in good shape, you know, because we knew knew each other well you know we knew we weren't christians we knew we were being hypocrites really and that's uh and then uh i remember danny kennison having meetings out here um at the um um emmanuel christian school in the gym okay that is the first time that i experienced lump in the throat conviction some kind of reverence I where i realized I am a sinner. He was a powerful speaker. He was. Absolutely. And I never heard anything like that before. I don't remember a bit of the messages. All I remember was the impression this you left guy with. made me feel wretched. And I <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what to do with it. I just didn't know what to do with it. And um but nope, I gotta save face. So I was I I can tell you, okay, maybe I should say that hypocrisy probably became a very, very big part of my life at that point. Yeah. There. I was actually very good at being a hypocrite. 
Um, there was people when I did actually finally get saved. Um, there was people that said, "I thought you were," because when I was around them, oh, I marked my Bible. I, I would actually take my Bible and just look for stuff that that I like. Hey, that looks, and I'd, and I'd highlight it, whatever. Just to, I didn't, I wasn't reading it. Just like, oh, that looks interesting. Okay, I'll mark that. You know, wow. so I could show my Bibles marked up and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, you know, the, the, I even led a little part to, of a, right? I even led a little part of a Bible study once. It was something in Revelation. And I had people tell me, oh, you did a good job. You know, it was like, probably wasn't that great, but it was just, you know, but yeah, I was really, really putting on a pretty decent front. I was actually all right at it, you know. But, but you were then in the circles that were having influence by the charity movement, Denny Kennedy. It was starting. Them. They were starting to listen to the tapes and stuff like that. And so this other church. are a little square things oh, that you put tapes. into yeah, it. Yeah, they got two wheels of <laughs> most of you of don't remember brown tape on there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to rewind it you put a pencil in there and go like <laughs> spin this. it yeah <laughs> or spin the tape you know that's yeah. a, oh boy yeah Anyways, tapes tapes i forgot that that was such around. a dated thing <laughs> so, yeah so these preaching tapes you know and i would never listen to them on my own but with the groups that i was with yeah okay yeah well, then i'll get stuck listening to it so these were my sundays and i was like I don't. You know what? I probably didn't hate it that much because I enjoyed singing, um, and the people were nice. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to try to be somebody like you know in the in the parties and stuff that I was at before, where you got to try to be macho, you kind of got to try to be cool, and you know that sort of thing. And I didn't have to do that here, so there was a a level of comfort in that. It was it was kind of nice, you know. But uh, um, but it was boring to me, you know, because you know I'm way home, Rob Zombie, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing, you know. And it's just like, um, and eventually. Um, there were some people that had left Old Colony and they were trying to get another little church started and it was um, it ended up becoming what is now Cornerstone Church um, there was uh, some, some a family from Nova Scotia that came out um, and they started up this little church and we started attending there but the problem was is they were teaching a bit in German and stuff like that um, I think most of it was actually in German so I couldn't understand it and it just wasn't quite what there was a little group of people that were getting pretty serious about their faith um it just wasn't quite what they were looking for yet and i remember i was actually in the group that started um, pilgrim. pilgrim church which I was is a charity right offshoot somewhere it was right? a charity yeah yeah, it was, yeah it totally started off as a charity off, offshoot for sure um heavily influenced by most of us that's yeah. uh he was he was our preacher. He was the one who would come and he was discipling us as a church and that sort of thing. And um, and so so I experienced these Danny Kennison meetings and just like whew, you know. And but I moved on. Okay, I'm going to get past this. And after a while here, I started to try to get saved um, every now and then. So I'll, I I remember a few times where I would pray and I'd try to just like oh God, can you just you know whatever. I don't remember what I prayed, but. I was trying to and and so it was god was starting to work on me but i wasn't saved yet you know it was uh um and so then this church or this group of people decided you know what we're gonna start our own little church here um we started meeting in basements in in homes um we had one sunday morning meeting and then we had a week of meetings where most of us came out and so this is uh the end of october 1999 um and uh, I sat in on this. I remember I, I sat in, in the meetings where we're, you know, discussing who's going to do what. And that's, you know, what parts and then, you know, like who, who's going to be involved with the youth. And, you know, okay, we're going to, you know, and voting with and stuff like that. We were doing little votes and I actually helped with that and everything. And it's unconverted as can be, you know, knowing. And by this point now, I had experienced lots of conviction. I, I knew I, I knew I was, I mean, I knew I was lost. I knew I was. Um, and so 
hypocrisy thing, you know. I was I just playing along, just riding right along here. Um, and uh, actively involved, you know, involved in the start of this here. Like, not that I was like a leader or anything, but just, you know, sure. supporting and right there along with it. You know, was, I was only 18 at the time. And, um, then we had this week of meetings. Moes came out and that guy, you know, also very powerful. A little different than Danny Kesson. Yeah. Danny Kesson would almost be like sharp and driving you know he'd like you one know one like, point after the next after yeah the next. And, and he would like you know, like dig into your soul and Moe's would kind of just like bellow it onto you and it's like then this like wall of gospel hitting you kind of thing like you know it's like and but i would just resist and resist and resist and and went through all, all week long um on the friday night was it the friday night or the thursday a whole bunch of people got saved my brother-in-law being one on pdep uh, my sister had gotten saved a little bit before this now. Um, I don't think even a year before where she got, where she actually got saved. And I don't quite know what her journey, like what happened sure. with her there. Um, didn't have a lot of connection there at that time, but um, because she was out here and me being out in Leamington, I only saw them every now and then and stuff. But, um, oh man, actually I remember, you know, going back on the hypocrisy thing. Um, I was at her house one time and she was like searching. And she was asking us questions about the gospel. And I told her something. There was something I said to her. I'm trying to remember what it was. And it was like, oh, she was crying just because of her, like, uh, like, and in, in just feeling conviction and searching. And then I had told her, blessed are those that mourn because they should be comforted. You know, and I was quoting <laughs> scripture at her, you know, and it was like, it's true. It, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and apparently that had blessed her, I believe. I, I think she, I, I, yeah, I think I remember her saying it later that that had been actually. Like, you know, oh, that you could do that, that you knew that's like, to be able to tell somebody that, you know, I think that was the verses. I'm pretty sure that's what sure. it was. Might, might, I might be off there, but I, it was something like that. Yeah. It was where I was actually, I blessed her in that way, you know, and it was, uh, so in the meantime, I developed a pretty good friend in this Christian youth group who was, I learned very quickly. He wasn't as good a hypocrite as I was. Um, so he was not converted, but he was searching. He was, he was looking for. Um, I don't think he was anyway. So maybe, maybe he wasn't just, you know, I'm struggling. I don't know. But, you know, obviously I can't say for sure, but I didn't think he was. And so me and him all naturally gravitated to each other. Um, and yeah, no, I, I can't, believe, I don't remember what day of the week it was that PDAP got saved and, and quite a few people did. And my dad hmm. got saved that night. And so now that he actually got born again, so he's thinking like, okay, yeah, you know, he knew he was, things were rough. He knew that, and even with me, you know, he knew things weren't quite right, whatever. But um, he thought, well, he, he's trying, you know, he's going to the Christian, you know, not understanding the gospel. He think he, he had this idea, well, he's trying to be a Christian, you know, he's doing, he's doing good, you know. And, and then when he actually got born again and experienced, you know, salvation, experienced the conviction, leaving him and all that, you know, and he looked at me and he knew right away that kid is not saved, you know, and. He didn't say anything. He knew you had never experienced anything. He knew like I he didn't experience. Yeah, he exactly. Yeah, what he had just, he knew I had nothing of that. And that's uh, um, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything at all. But and so the next day, um, I think it would have been the yeah, I think it would have been Saturday. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. I think that was Friday night, and then it was Saturday. Yeah, um, we were going to the. It was actually at a gym. The UMEI gym is where we were having these meetings. And we were going early. I think there was going to be like fellowship meal and stuff like that going on. I think there was a meal going on there and that sort of thing. And uh, I saw my friend sitting in a vehicle getting counseled by somebody. And, mm. and I don't remember who it was. It might have been John Enns. It might have, I, I don't quite remember who it was. 
Um, and you knew he was perhaps coming to the end of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and so me and my dad, like, what well, we kind of talked about, like, oh yeah, you know, he's in there, you know, he's with them there, and and then uh, um, my dad said, that's good, he needs it. And <laughs> for some reason, that's where I broke. And those it was just words, a, those that words just were like, convicting. And I, and I just looked at my dad and said, "So do I." Oh, and man. I was, and <laughs> so, and that's the thing. Like I had this wall of hypocrisy and you know, and pride. Like nobody could know this about me. Nobody could know that I was doing these things, and I, I couldn't expose myself like that. You know, I just couldn't do that. And 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 that was it. I was done. You know, wow. it was just like, and I just, I told so do I. And he asked me if I want to get somebody to talk to me and, and, uh, <laughs> um, ended up, uh, with Peter Bergen. You remember Peter Bergen? Yeah. Orange beard, Peter Bergen. Yeah. Haven't seen him for a long time. And most of us, um, they took me into the other gym up on the stage, went back in behind the curtain and knelt down and I was the gospel clear already at this point or was it just all the conviction and the turmoil I think it was mostly conviction uh, yeah yeah this is interesting it was a lot of conviction I knew Jesus was the answer was the savior was the but but it was my guilt is what I was really trying to deal with and yeah unfortunately a large large portion of my Christian life was was uh was kind of a um, steeped in that mindset of dealing with my guilt and dealing with my conviction, dealing with my Jesus sin, that and of, my dedication. That's right, Jesus and my performance. You know, that's uh, um, and and I do think that there was maybe a little bit of fault in the counsel that I received there because I was basically counseled to confess sins and that sort of thing, and and I, <laughs> well, I flat on my face, ugly crying, this a little gross snot dripping out of my nose, like I was weeping so hard so uncontrollably because i was finally facing god with my sin that can be physically painful it was it was serious it was it was like i don't know i don't know how to describe it well like i i felt it like it was just my it it shook me in like my inner being like it just yeah i was just Mm -hmm. broken crying confessing and just uh and uh yeah and in the end asking jesus to come and you know be lord of my life and um honestly if i were to you know try to lead one of my children through to salvation pray with them or whatever you know i i would probably do it a little bit differently than that than that was but but i i do know that i got up and it was like my conscience was clear there's been so many movements my heart was clear before god and it was like there's been so many movements where god has moved in a community like that where not everything is crystal clear and That's the gospel right. perfectly defined and That's everybody right. cl- comes out as clear as day, but I God is stirring and moving. And we really believe that we had the gospel. We had it true. Now this is the way it is, but yeah, obviously I've, uh, I've learned to understand things a little bit differently. You know, it's, uh, and, and it's, and the main problem with it is just, uh, the emphasis on, you know, the sort of thing of like, you know, well, you need to confess your sins in order to receive forgiveness. You know, well, yes, I believe I believe in confession. It's a part of it. It's all, um, but like you know, repentance. I believe is a fruit of being saved. It's you know, it's something that's going to come from God changing your life. You're going to turn away from sin. You're gonna, you don't try to turn from your sin and then get and saved. then get God. No, you know, it's kind of, that's that's you know, taking that filthy rag and just polishing and polishing and okay, God, here you go. You know, now save me. You know, but I I really do believe that that was the point where you know, 
I had faith. I believed God's or that Jesus was my savior. God is incredibly gracious that way. You look back to the stories of Abraham and all his faults and ups and downs, and the New Testament just says that he was staggered not at the promises. He was strong in faith, and you're like, I don't know, God. Your (laughs) your view of strong in faith is not quite like mine. That's right. But it's I'm amazed that that that's how God seems to treat people. People that even just put a a small sliver of hope and faith in what He's Mm -hmm. done, He's like, it's good enough. He knows our hearts. He knows our hearts, and when our heart is, you know, turned in that, and when it's when it's surrendered in that sense, and and you know, and just there's no other place for me to go. You are my savior. I need you for salvation. You know, and that's where I was. You know, maybe some other things were a little foggy, a little muddy there. Um, but these men, say Moses and Denny and them, as many mistakes and faults they may have made, their hearts were sold out for God, absolutely, and they were completely committed to reaching people with the gospel. And God used them to and create little the revivals. amount of people that that yeah that that they absolutely. reach that God used them to reach is just it is you know whether where it's all at now I you know I don't know but there was there's no denying that movement mm-hmm. that that it was powerful and it was God you know there's no denying that that's uh, um and so yeah there it was uh, my wife got baptized the next day wasn't my wife then of course not even an interest of mine at all just a girl in the youth um so that's where i met her was in that youth mm-hmm. group where i was such a good guy you know and, um she had no interest in me i had no interest in her it was just you know yeah hardly even knew each other just you know kind of common acquaintances from the from the group but um but yeah that's where i got saved um and and yes, absolutely. Not that I was perfect after that by any means, you know. Well, I'm, um, I'm just looking at the time, but, thinking uh, we covered your first twenty so years of life. All right, <laughs> maybe yeah. our next episode will be your next twenty years because a lot has happened since then, eh? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Where yeah, you you understood this gospel, and now it was like the whole charity movement was like the mm-hmm. theme, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the gospel. Your yeah. gospel clarity now is impeccable to me. It's like the, when you <laughs> define, you read these old hymns, you know cleft of the rock i mm. think of dave dave fair right you described this cleft and hiding in jesus and there's the, yeah. there's all and i mean you learned that stuff at charity movements too you, you did you know? but it was so driven by as long as i'm doing well mm-hmm. you know and and maybe I, i'm not sure if charity themselves actually lead as heavy as a, yeah I, I yeah it probably did lend to it for sure but um but it was really sorry but the pilgrim church where i was involved in there where that's where it became very very deep and very yeah a lot of things I, uh, when i got saved it was actually through a charity message to roman kaufman and jerry mahor and um, okay. i immediately was clear my sins were gone i was forgiven was it but salvation then, crystal clear yep was that the yeah oh salvation crystal wonder how many people are reached by that wonder how many people are reached by that message there amazing. oh worth of soul I, I, I remember hearing of that one i don't think i ever listened to it but then it was the almost like today's bell, kids like, when they're like, oh, have you heard this song yet? And yeah. It's like right. back then it was like, have With you the heard the tapes. worth of a soul? Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to listen to this. Salvation Crystal Clear. You've got to hear yes, this. Absolutely. You know what? It's like all these and Christians. Those, those two passing messages, these messages were the ones that, that pounded the gospel home to me. Yeah. And then I, I had joy in my life. And then almost immediately thereafter, I got into stuff like um, Keith Daniels. You don't pray, you know, three to six yeah. chapters, or read three to six chapters of the old, three to six chapters of the new every day. Or Danny Keniston would say, that's... if you don't pray at least an hour a day, you're a joke. Yep. And so then now my life became all about performance and my joy started to slip away. That so. is totally my, uh, my my story as well. Absolutely. Think about that, that old quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, I look to Jesus, looking at Jesus, and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked to the dove and it flew away. 
It's like That's... you stop looking at Jesus. Yep. Yep. So this is what happened to me. Jesus had saved my soul. And now I'm going to wear the right clothes. I'm going to do the right things. I'm yep. going to say the right hallelujahs and yep. the right the right time. I'm going to be you know, fasting, praying, reading, all that stuff. And I totally stopped looking at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It sounds like the right thing to do. It sounds like, well, God did so much for me. I'm going to do all I can for Him, but the focus gets turned off, and that's where I mean, okay, I mean, you know, you said my, my, uh, um, I'm not sure exactly how you said they were understanding the gospel, or whatever, but uh, um, I, I've just simply come to the place. I mean, I tell us the gospel. I, I, I I've <laughs> been through too much in my Christian journey where I flip flopped and struggled and and lived defeated life a heart to do the right thing, but struggling and not finding victory in my life. And not that I'm by by any means perfect now. No, I'm not. But, um, but I, I've, I've experienced victory in my life. Like I never have before. And you know, where just simply, and it's simply because of Jesus, Jesus must be your focus. It must, he is the only source of salvation. Um, (laughs) sorry to say it so plainly, but my performance is irrelevant to the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. It, it doesn't matter how good I work it out. It matters what he did. You have a great day. Jesus is the only thing that can save you. You That's have right. a horrible day. Jesus, Jesus is, is still the can only save thing you. that can save you. That's right. And it stays that way throughout your Christian That's life. Right. Not only to get saved. That's what charity taught. To get saved, you need Jesus. Um, but they didn't Galatians teach it have as a continuum. begun in faith, continue in works. That's exactly it. That was my experience. We began in faith. Yes, I was saved by Jesus. He was my source of salvation. But if I don't do good... I'm backsliding or I'm struggling or I, um, or even falling away. You know, mm-hmm. I went through a, a period of my life shortly before I was married. You thought maybe you had lost your salvation. I, oh, I, I, I was sure that I had, you know, and looking back at it now, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure because I, you know, God was still doing something. He was still, you know, he was still keeping me from certain things. Although I did get into some pretty wretched things at that time. But, uh, um, so when did had... the gospel become clear then? Wow. Like you mean, like to what I, the way I would say now? Yeah. Um, I think it's still happening. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, um, so in in this church, you know, I love those people very much. Um, I actually feel quite burdened for some of what I'm seeing going on there now, um, because feeling like I'm, I'm seeing so much of this where people are relying on their performance and they're just putting on the right clothes and stuff, and they're good now. As long as you do these things, you're good. It's really turned into a lot of that. So I was very active in this church, very actively involved, um, song leading almost from the get-go. Um, so I've been, that's why I'm song lead now. You know, I've done it for a long, long time. And um, but I, yeah, the church wanted to have a, a corporate Bible study, and I suggested let's study Galatians because I, I was starting to feel like something is something's off with us here. Something isn't right, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But I was feeling like. I, I was definitely getting the idea that, like, I feel like we're focusing on works too much here. Like, this doesn't seem right. And so I was like, let's study Galatians. And and we went through that. And I was frustrated because I was like, we could go right through that, through those passages. And I'm like, this is talking about us. And nobody seems to understand it. And my I wife see. would talk about these things. And brothers means, excuse me, brothers means be these, you know, just fights and like, not, not fights, but a lot of bickering and, and, and nitpicking oh brother so-and-so's wife is wore this thing that was that was immodest and oh so oh oh that youth he he bought a motorbike or he bought you know and just so many things that they're picking stuff just all the stuff that was becoming the focus Dave's playing instead with his of rc cars too much yeah oh actually no there was a time that i got rid of them because <laughs> I'm sure. later on though i was 
backsliding, I guess, and getting and I started buying them again. And so that's when I got anyway, into it. Didn't mean to distract. No, no, that's no, that's good. That's uh, um, because things like that were not Those good. Were dealt with as yeah, sin. yeah. It was there. Yeah, when I got saved, we had a burn barrel. We loved doing these burn barrels where you burn all your trash. I burned my RC. I had this awesome. It was a team associated RC 10 GT for anybody who knows those things. Um, it had an uh, an OSCZ engine on it, and it was like the thing was awesome. And I burned it. Mm. I burned it because it was my idol. Yeah. Now, okay, almost, I, I said well, that somewhat almost necessary at the time. I, right? I said that you know, I just said that somewhat mockingly. Maybe I shouldn't do that because um, my heart was simply I wanted God From to have on, my all. That was that was my motive in it. But now looking back, and I'm like, oh, it didn't need to be burned. I could have just <laughs> like set it just, aside for a exactly. Few years. I could have you know stay inside and read my Bible instead of taking it out one night. You know that sort of just whatever. There's all kinds of things that could have worked instead of burning it. But but the Book of Galatians started really pounding. It home. really really did. And I was just I was getting discontent. I started questioning people, like just talking to people about this. Like I'm talking to other youth. I said, okay, you tell me. Say I'm a sinner right now on the street. I've never heard the gospel before. Tell me, how do I get saved? And and he started with this, and he says, uh, well, you, you repent of your sin. I said, what does that mean? He says, well, you, you confess your sins. Say your sins out loud. And I'm like, and and I feel like, so repentance, the definition that they've embraced, you know, I know that repentance truly by definition really means to change your mind. Um, like, or at least maybe that's the main definition, if you want to call that, I don't know. Um, the definition that was really embraced was to turn around or to turn away from something. And, and so I started talking to these people and I'm like, okay, so you told me to turn away from my sin. So picture this, I'm walking down this road on the path to sin and you stop me and you say, repent. Okay. I repent. I turn away. What am I turning to now? Because you didn't tell me what to, you just you told know? me to stop. My and sin. so I, yeah, you just told me to stop sinning, to turn away from that sin, but you didn't tell me where to go. So I'm still lost, you know? And so I started saying like, we need to like, you need to be saying like, turn to Jesus. And then if you turn to Jesus, well, if you're walking down this path and you turn around, you, you've turned away from your sin. And that's, that is what I believe that, you know, now I, I don't believe that you need to try to get rid of sins in order to get saved. When you turn to Jesus, when you believe in Jesus truly as your savior, you believe to the saving of your soul as, you know, I, I don't remember where it says it exactly, but that's always stood out to me. There's a, a, a verse that says that. Mm -hmm. um, you believe on him, you know, in him in that way. Like I talked about the one Sunday morning, like, you know, I sat on this chair. I didn't wonder if it was going to hold me. I believe in Jesus that he is my savior in that sense. Yep. There's no doubt. There's no shadow. He is it. You'll turn away from sin. You just, you, you will. It's going, you're, in, you're turning the other way. You're turning in, the opposite direction. In from fact, anyway, most so. people to get saved, they don't need to repent from sins. They need to repent of what they're holding on to. That's right. They're in a stream of sin and they're going That's to right. hell. But they're holding on to something that they think will save them. For me, it was old colony faith. Yep. I was holding yep. on to it with my dear life. And I had to let go of that and turn to Jesus. An interesting thing. I I could be wrong on this. I'm, I, I, I should look it up. and I, I should actually study this out to prove it because I've mentioned this to people before. I believe, I, and I could be wrong. You, 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 you can correct me if I am wrong. But I believe that if you read through like Acts um, and yeah, through, yeah, through the probably Acts, um, typically you would see that Jews were told to repent. Gentiles were told, believe and be baptized. Mm -hmm. Jews were told to repent. Gentiles, believe yeah. and be baptized. And just what you're saying there, the Jews, they held on to this religious system. I, I could be wrong. You know, I, I'm not yeah, going to say I that that's say, absolute. I would say belief but, and repentance are two sides of the same coin. They are. 
Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and if but if you put the focus on the one, it can turn out wrong. And that's that was my experience where where I came from there. The focus was just put too heavily there. You know, I I don't dismiss repentance. I just that's why I'm trying to say like you know like if you turn to Jesus, you're turning away from sin. I don't believe that in a Christian life where you just can oh yeah just like continue my porn, continue drinking, continue you know that's I I I don't believe in that. You know exactly absolutely. Um, I believe that turning to Jesus for salvation, you're going to turn your back on sin. Doesn't mean you'll never trip. It doesn't mean, but you're not going to go on that path of sin. And now you have an anchor for your soul. That's anytime right. you've messed up, anytime you fall down, anytime oh. you have a rough day, you know, okay, as much as this sucks, as much as I've failed, I know I'm saved. It because it's not based on what I've done. It didn't change that Jesus died for me. Amen. Okay, you know what? What uh, something you, you asked me about the you know the clarity the cl- when it was clear clear to me. Something that I came to realize, and this might be just a, such a simple little thing to most to most people, but Jesus died for my sin in the past. Yep, all of your sins way were back in the future. then. All of my sins were in the future, so that must mean that my sins now, past, present, and future, Christ took them. He died for all of them. He died for them, and he took them. He became sin for me. Mm-hmm. He took those sins upon himself. That is the reason why I don't have to live under them because he took them. Yeah. That's the reason why they don't have power over me. Yep, yep, my flesh will struggle, my flesh will stumble. Um But he's dealt with the sin issue. You yeah. can you and I are now free to serve and to minister the, because the we don't thing have that to keep dealing. us bound has been put on Jesus. That's right. He took it. Amen. And so I don't have to live in that. I can Amen. walk free in that. So that's there All you right, go. That's, that's as good a place <laughs> as any to end it. All right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much no, for doing thank this. You. That this was, was good uh, for me. Hopefully you. And... I was incredibly nervous at first. I got a lot less so towards the go. end here, but I probably still rambled a bit. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope I Thanks, didn't man. too much. But uh, yeah, this this was actually very enjoyable.